Hi humans, welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. My name is Lauren. And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking. We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love. Stepping away from our evangelical church background, all the while leaning into God and moving forward in our faith. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, on to the episode. Hello. Hi. Hello there. Hi, you guys. How are you doing? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so excited to talk with you guys. I know. We're so pumped. Yeah, it's going to be great. So, so many people are so excited too. You know, I, we got lots of messages from people saying that they were very intrigued and they want to know more. So Ooh, exciting. Be very yeah. anticipated episode. And I don't know how it is where you are, but here in Nashville, it's like cloudy and chill vibes. It's like perfect day to do a podcast. Uh, I was kind of feeling that too. We've had really warm weather lately, but yeah. today was really overcast. It rained for a little bit. So I'm like... Ooh, I'm feeling the mood vibes today. Cozy up. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have our friend Brooklyn. She is a curious human being in the midst of her deconstruction. Born and raised LDS, she left the church with a quick turnaround and deep dive into evangelical Christianity. Now she has been released from any religious label, and introduces herself as an Aries, Enneagram 3, and sexuality advocate. Brooklyn, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I'm super excited to be here with you. We are so excited, too. We're ready for the fire that your little Aries self is is about to bring. (laughs) I'm bringing it. It's so funny because I don't think we've really talked to many Aries. We have one friend that's an Aries, and that's like... I told her, we all of the Aries in our lives are just like, they bounce in and out of our lives so yeah. much. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was telling Lauren, I think we must run in packs because I feel like a lot of my friends, my close friends are Aries. So. Yeah, you might, oh, wow. you might. I guess that would make sense. <laughs> it's like you guys, you guys are able to like fuel each other's conversations and all that kind of stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Yep, keep the fire going. Yes. <laughs> it's funny because I'm a Sagittarius, which is technically supposed to be fire, but I definitely root more into my uh, moon Taurus sign. moon sign. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. So my partner is a Sagittarius. So him oh. and I, are, I feel like it's very interesting together. So why don't you just begin um, by telling us a bit of your story, a little bit of your background? Yeah, I would love to. So when it comes to faith and spirituality, it's definitely been a journey. And I feel like I'm kind of in one of the uh, deep valley parts of my journey right now. But given my backstory, I was born actually in Salt Lake City at an LDS hospital. And for those that don't know what LDS means, it means Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. And that's the Mormon church. Yep. So Salt Lake City is like the headquarters, Salt Lake City, Utah, for the Mormon church. And I was born at a Mormon hospital to Mormon parents. Um, I grew up in Idaho and 
was surrounded by Mormon family. I'm the oldest of 13 kids, so I definitely Dang. fall into the stereotype. <laughs> um, yeah, and then grew up in the church very, very active, which I'm sure we'll touch on more um, throughout the podcast, yeah. but served at a high capacity, super involved, um, and then just kind of went through some trauma that quickly led to me leaving the church around right before I turned 18 years old. Um, and then took a little bit of time just recovering from that, but I don't think it was enough time as I'm kind of deconstructing that mm-hmm. now currently yeah. at this stage of my life. But at the age of 18, I turned like seriously deep dive into evangelical Christianity and was in that until last year and just kind of removed myself from the evangelical culture and world um, last year. And now I'm just here figure, trying to figure stuff out, you know? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yep. we all. D- definitely relatable. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. So, um, you know, on, on the beginning part of your story, so growing up, you know, all the first 18 years of your life, um, I guess, did you resonate? I don't know if that's the right verbiage. Did you identify as Mormon then? 100% all the way through high school. Definitely. Like I, uh, shouted from the rooftops that I was Mormon. Okay. Okay. So we did get lots of people very intrigued about Mormonism. There's not a lot of, um, opportunity to talk or learn a lot about Mormonism without speaking to somebody who's still in it. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, uh, several people were very intrigued. So I'll give you a couple of those questions sent in, but first, can you tell us a little bit more about the Mormon faith. And I know that's really broad, but for someone who may have no idea what Mormonism is, um, what, what does it mean to be Mormon and what are some key principles to live by? Totally, man. Okay. You guys are going to have to hold me accountable and not let me just go off the rails with this one because I feel like, <laughs> go I, feel for like it. <laughs> I just feel like I can go on and on, but, um, I'll just start high level. Um, like I said, the, they like to call themselves LDS. So actually Mormon is a prophet in the LDS church, but a lot of people call, um, people that attend the religion or identify as that religion. Um, they just call them, Oh, you're Mormon, but Mormon is an actual person. The actual name of the church is the church of Jesus Christ of latter day saints. Um, and it was founded in the 1800s, early 1800s by a man named Joseph Smith. Um, Some people, especially because I used to live in Nashville, I'm currently located back in Idaho, but when I lived in Nashville, I felt like nobody knew anything about the Mormon church. And, um, but they were like, oh, Joseph Smith, that's right. I saw him on a South Park episode. So I feel like that's like the only (laughs) insight people have a lot gotten into it. But, um, yeah, Joseph Smith was 15 years old when he started his journey of finding the Mormon church. But, um, essentially what how the, how an LDS member would might describe the church as saying it's the restoration of the gospel. So they believe that, um, when Jesus had died and he was away for a couple days before he was resurrected, that he actually spent that time in America and that in America, he had interacted with, uh, native Americans and like the, the I gospel. about the Native American thing. I had a couple Mormon friends, and they loved the fact I was the fact that I was Native American, and I forgot that that was a, that was a thing. Okay, continue. <laughs> yep, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, what happened was is that 
because of that time that Jesus had spent in America, um, like gospels were written, like scriptures. And then they were gathered by a guy named Mormon. And Joseph Smith was led by angels to find that book later called The Golden Plates because it was translated and written on golden plates originally by Mormon. And then Joseph Smith translated into English and that's what created the Book of Mormon. Got it. So that is the gospel that they um, learn from and they live by. That's their roadmap. So they do use the Bible as well, but they believe that the Bible had a lot of missing pieces and contradictions and the Bible's to, there to fill those gaps. Got it. Um, but yeah, so now what does it look like? Um, it's a huge religion. Um, it's one of the fastest growing in America. They identify themselves as a sect of Christianity. So that was something I was taught a lot when I was learning about my faith when I was younger. They were like, oh, well, we also identify as Christians because we believe in God. A big thing that sets them apart is that they don't believe in the Trinity. Okay. So they very much believe in like God is a separate being. Um, the Holy Spirit is a separate being. And then Jesus is a separate being. Got it. And yeah, now what it looks like, I mean, I think people kind of hear bits and pieces here and there, but it's very, very culture focused. Um, you attend seminary, like it's a must, like just everybody attends seminary throughout high school if you're Mormon. Mm. And then, um, then you go to BYU, hopefully. Um, there's a BYU stands for Brigham Young University. That's a university that is completely funded and put on by the Mormon church. It's in Utah, but there's also BYU Idaho because Idaho has a ton of Mormons. So while Utah has the most Mormons uh, per capita, Idaho has more one in every four persons in Idaho is no, that's Utah. One in every four, I think in Utah is Mormon and one in every three in Idaho. Is wow. Mormon. Holy cow. So there's a lot of us. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so hopefully you attend Brigham Young University, but then you would take a break from that at the age of 19 to go serve a mission. Um, and primarily men, it's like expected that men are going to go serve a mission and that would be two years. Um, and then for two years, you're gone, um, spreading the word and then you come back and then hopefully marry a young woman and start a Mormon family with lots of babies. <laughs> Right. So then that would, that would be, your parents had lots of babies, 13 of them to be exact. Or was it 14? Yeah. 14 altogether um, or 13 altogether? I, I'm the oldest of 13. Okay. Now I will say as a disclaimer, um, I have a lot of, I have a broken family, a lot of divorce. So that's probably helped with a lot of the children, but I still, there's still a lot of it and it's heavily influenced by the LDS church. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I feel like there's still so much that like I, I had a close friendship relationship almost relationship with this guy um who was who's very mormon um and i learned a lot uh but i still it's interesting because i feel like i didn't get clear answers some of the things that you just mm -hmm. said i'm like oh like i wish he could have told me that in the amount of time that you told me that but yeah, yeah. so i mean it's i feel like it does have its nuances everything does like even the evangelical totally. church has its nuances it's just I don't know. I feel like you said it's it's up and coming. It's rising and not so many people know the the background of it. Well, yeah. And with that, too, they very much prepare you for how to answer mm -hmm. questions. 
Um, and it feels like good intention, but it definitely is like, yeah, I feel like they just make a lot of things more complicated than it probably should be. Yeah. Yeah. A question that we got sent in um, several times regarding Mormonism was if they do indeed believe that if they're good enough in this life, they become God of their own universe when they die. Is that true? <laughs> um, yes, it is true. Um, they actually believe that God, that was his story. They think that God had his own planet and he just served so well in the faith that he was granted uh, his own planet to rule over. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. And that um, planet being Earth or heaven? Or like, what would that yeah, be? Yeah. Um, so they keep it pretty. Let me back up a little bit too and talk about a big thing about the Mormon church that I haven't mentioned yet is, um, and people have probably seen them. Um, they're more so on the West side of the United States, but there are a lot of temples. Mm-hmm. Now, the Mormon church has information that um, is huge part in like the structure of the church. However, you don't get to like learn that information until you are accepted into sacred parts of the temple. And it's like each further part you get into, the more information you get. Right. So I actually haven't personally been told all of the details of what like the afterlife or the, what it looks like to have your own world. I know that men who have what they call the higher priesthood power and have been let into those sacred parts of the temple, um, they know the story. Um, but I, of course, have read all the conspiracies on the internet. So I don't feel like <laughs> you can fact check me because, you know, I'm sure somebody, you know, might be able to prove me wrong. But, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you get, like, your own heaven and your own earth. It's, right. like, your own realm. I That's your how it's been kind of explained basically. Me. Got it. Yeah. Right. Okay. Exactly. And that's only if um, – and – I'll actually, if it's okay, take a moment to talk about like what afterlife kind of looks like for a Mormon, like what they're, what they call the plan of salvation. Absolutely. Yes. Looks Go like. into that. Yeah. Totally. So when you die, they believe that you will be placed in um, one of two places. You'll be either be placed in spiritual paradise or spiritual purgatory mm-hmm. or prison. And you'll be kind of s- stuck on either side until judgment day. Now, if you're a Mormon, you'll be in paradise. If you're not, you'll be in prison and people from paradise will like share the gospel with you and then give you another chance that you maybe had denied on your earthly existence to accept the truth. Right. Then judgment day will take place. And then that's where you'll be. um, That's where you'll be decided of like which kingdom you'll go into because heaven is actually sectioned out. Um, there are three separate levels of the kingdom. There's the top level, which is the celestial, the middle, which is the telestial and the bottom, which is the terrestrial. Mm-hmm. Um, now exactly what that criteria is, it's kind of speculation, but it's pretty much just like, you know, there are some big rules. Like if you are not married in the temple, there's no way you're getting into the celestial kingdom. Yeah. Things like that. Got it. But in the celestial kingdom, there then are three tiers within that. And you have to get into the top tier of the celestial kingdom in order to achieve like the eternal glory of having your own realm, like your own planet and becoming your own God. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And so it's not like a belief that every single person is going to have each their own planet and their own universe and all that. It's it's a lot more selective and, and 
specific. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And that's not entirely, I mean, that's the three heavens thing that, I mean, that's found in the Bible even, you know. When yeah, it talks that's about, actually what they refer it to for yeah, sure. Right. And so I, I remember learning about that because of my friend. I was like, you know, he was, he was explaining that part to me. And he's like, that's from the Bible. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then I actually, I actually learned a lot about the Bible through our friendship because, you know, I, I like being challenged in that way. And so, mm-hmm. and so I just like deep dove into like research and, and yeah, that's, it's wild to me, the things that are in the Bible that we just never really knew. Yeah. Um, I'm so I'll just say right now, one of my weak points is theology. I've always been celebrated more for my childlike faith. That mm-hmm. was through while being LDS and being in the evangelical church. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you might be, I mean, you probably know a lot more about that than I do, but what I will say is that that's really, that was, that was really hard for me when I left the LDS church, then joined just, um, the Christianity world, because when you go through seminary as an LDS mm-hmm. member, yeah, um, they teach the Bible and the Book of Mormon side by side. So they'll say, for example, like, here, let's read this one scripture in the Bible, this one verse, and now let's turn to the Book of Mormon where we expand on that verse, kind of yeah. filling in the gaps. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so that part in the Bible that talks about the three levels of heaven, then you turn to the Book of Mormon and it's like, and now it's like deep dive. In what our that book, actually looks like right exactly, and it was so hard for me because I remember when I was just trying to like, okay, I have chosen to not turn towards the Book of Mormon anymore, but I still believe in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, I would find myself in my head, in prayer, in meditation, or when trying to like encourage people or talk to people, I would be quoting scripture, and half of my verse or the scripture I'm quoting would be like mm-hmm. the Bible and half the Book of Mormon, and that I mean, I still struggle with that to this day. Wow. That's so interesting. You know, mm-hmm. back when I was friends with this guy, um, I that's when I was very um, evangelical and I was very conservative. And so in that season of my life, the Bible was inerrant. It was the word of God. And, right, like, there was all, no contradiction. There was, there was no contradiction right. at, in that time and <laughs> season of my <laughs> life. And I remember um, I was intentionally looking for a contradiction in the, in the, the Book of Mormon in the Bible. And I don't know if it was just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it was, but basically the verse, the verses were exactly the same, except for the book of Mormon said the word not, and then the Bible didn't have the word not. And so it was actually opposite meanings entirely. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, I remember asking him that I'm like, so the Bible says this, so obviously that's wrong. And he, and it was about basically like, it was something in the Old Testament that was truly terrible and gruesome and that I, you know, would not like to agree with. But I was like, but it's in the Bible, so that's what it is to, like, you know, kill your right. brother if he blah, blah, blah. And he's like, of <laughs> course we don't want to do that. So the Book of Mormon is more right. And I was like, well, that's where you lost me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Back yeah. in the day. Oh, man. No, I mean, that definitely reminds me of conversations I would have with people I would try to be friends with that were like Christian that I went to high school with versus me and me trying to explain my faith and relate with them. I feel like I was often met with people coming at me like, no, look, the Bible says this and your church teaches that. So yeah, that's very confusing. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Another question we received, um, you know, with all of this is that 
they were wondering if the Mormon religion is different to each person or if it really is just an umbrella, like everyone follows the same quote unquote rules. Oh man, that is such a good question because that I cannot believe the organization, like down to the detail of the LDS church. Um, you could be in Sunday school in Boise, Idaho, and then go to Sunday school that same Sunday in Nashville, Tennessee, and you are going to learn the same exact lesson. Whoa. Um, That's yeah, crazy. It's really intense. So, um, no, there are not like, oh, yeah, I'm like Christian, but I'm this kind of Christian. It's like if you're Mormon, you're Mormon, you're Mormon, and we're all the same. Mm. We believe the same things. Nobody like is like, I'm Mormon but I'm this kind of Mormon. Right. Nope. Um, there's like not even room to be that. And yeah, very laid out, very structured, very organized for well, sure. Okay. So that kind of leads me to the next thing somebody sent in. They said, um, asking if it's, if it's a cult and what you would say about that, like what, what how would you respond <laughs> to that? Well, yeah, 100%. <laughs> how yeah. I would, it, um, it, that's like a painful thing for me. That is something that I think I, not until like this last two years, maybe even year that I've actually full on felt comfortable to say things like, yeah, I believe that my family is in a cult mm. and that I grew up in a cult and to actually be able to say that while doing and working through religious trauma and my relationship with my family. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a label that's been really hard for me to place on that religion, but I do feel confident 110% to label them as a cult. Mm. For well, it's sure. kind of like, like for Christianity, I would say that some, if not a majority of the offshoots of Christianity could, could also be labeled a cult. Oh yeah. But I think for Christianity, it's, it's so much easier because I can just be like, well, it's not my xyz of christianity like Mm -hmm. it's just somewhere out there somewhere else yeah i mean between the entry level of getting into the lds church um then the amount of sacred activities that take place and how things are handled and communication and um yeah and then the the exit of a ch- of the church is is so hard i mean i just i left the church like i said at the age of 17 and I just finally got my official letter that I was removed from church records last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, it took that long to Crazy. like work my way out of it. Oh, my gosh. So why – let's go back to your story then. Why did you leave Mormonism? What was like the breaking point for you? Um, That's a really good question. I would love to say that I was just like really mature and of sound mind and I looked at it and I was like, this is just all wrong. Um. I will totally admit that a large reason I left was because I'm rebellious by nature and I was 17 years old. Um, My parents were freshly divorced and I was just like, I would need to rebel. I need to get away from this. Um, But I remember specifically, so I was a leader in what's called young women's, which is like a youth group for just women though, Mm. or young girls. And I was the pretty much president of it of like my church's group. And I was asked to give a speech or a talk on Joseph Smith. And I really just felt like I had the spiritual gift to just get up in front of people and start talking or preaching, or 
I never really was one to have like note cards. If somebody asked me to speak on a topic, I would of course like research and prepare, but then I always leaned heavily upon the spirit to mm-hmm. lead me through the, the conversation or the topic. And so I remember that had happened with this specific topic. I was like, okay, I'm going to learn about it and I'm going to get up there and I'm going to speak. And then when I went to go give my talk on Joseph Smith, I froze and nothing was like coming out of my mouth. And I was just like, okay, I'm panicking. Why am I not able to talk about this? And that was something that I really think was probably the, what broke the straw on the camel's back for me was that I was like, I feel I was starting to recognize at the age of 17 that I was in it for the position of authority that I felt like I was in. Mm. Um, and for like the respect that I was gaining as a woman growing up in the LDS church from my own community and being able to like lead the youth group and the admiration for my family, for the achievements I had had in the LDS church and not so much on at the actual like theology or the belief itself. Right. It's almost like the farther up you get and the more respect you have, like people have mm-hmm. less of an opportunity to actually question you. Exactly. Yeah. It was hard. I, I relate to that. And in, you know, being in the music Christian industry, I feel like I right. kind of relate to that. Um, growing and like being able to speak. And then at certain points I was like, no, I can't even give that speech that I used to give. Cause I don't, like there was just something in me that just couldn't do it. And I hadn't recognized, I hadn't really started deconstruction necessarily yet. And right. there was just things right. that I was like, I don't want to give that anymore. Like I don't, I can't. I think it's moments like those that really cause you to question what you actually are right. doing. You're like, what, why, what am I doing here? Like, what do I actually believe in? And what do I want to be saying? Especially yeah. exactly. like with us when we were up on stage doing things and I mean, we would go from conference to conference and you kind of get in this rhythm of saying the same thing, talking about the same struggles. But like, there's always this mm-hmm. expectation that you you can only talk about the hurt and the pain and the struggle that you've been in and that you've conquered. And kind of once they find that niche for you where you fit into their story, like you kind of have to lock into that. And <laughs> it almost gets to the point where you can't put it down and you can't question your own experience even. Yeah. And I'm sure oh, it gets the same way with, with what you were experiencing where you get in a place of leadership and there's just this expectation to maintain consistency in what it is that you're expressing to everybody that you're in leadership over. So you can't even really sit down and figure out what it is that you believe in and what your evolution in your faith actually has been. Yeah. I mean, amen to all of that. 100%. I just, I feel like that's not even, it's not just the case for the evangelical church or the LDS church for any like religious organization you're in, the more opportunity you are like encouraged, like when people affirm you over and over and then put you in positions where you feel like I'm have like, or God is working through me or I have the power or whatever to touch so many people's lives. It's so much harder to take a step back and actually evaluate, you know, why am I here? Am I here because um, it feels good to be here because of how much I'm affirmed over and over. Or am I here because mm. I truly believe this? Right. right. And then, so when you were going through all of that, right, like you said that you pretty much jumped from the LDS church to the evangelical church, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then what was the draw for you to the evangelical church? Oh yeah. That's a really good question. I think that, 
That's so interesting because my answer while I was in the evangelical church would be different than my answer right now. Yeah. Um, interesting. So let me tell you my answer while I was still um, deep in the evangelical church. I would say because I always explained it, which I think people have explained it like this before, so I'm definitely not the first to ever say this, but it's kind of like I felt like I was wearing like foggy goggles and God was speaking to me through the LDS church and he did touch me like so much there and he was like trying to pull me in, but there was the barrier of the wrong faith, Mm. like the wrong place to practice my relationship with him. And so when I had left the LDS church, I was missing that relationship aspect and the community aspect, but I just knew it was not practiced correctly at the LDS church. So when I um, was introduced to a evangelical church, I saw those things that I had missed and valued and I knew were truth mm-hmm. at that time, but right. were, but it was being practiced in practicing the LDS church. So things like community, things like scripture and prayer and, you know, a lot of the things that I think that draw people into the evangelical church. So R- rituals and community pretty much. Right. Yeah. yeah. So then how long were you, you said you just about a year ago you left evangelicalism, right? Yep. So um, from the age of 18 to 26, um, I'm 27 now. So it was 18 to 26 that I was like, um, and I don't just say like I attended a church. I have had two really big internships. I have spoken at like at Christian universities about the LDS church before. Um, I have gone to, um, Boise Bible college and attended like Hebrew classes and got really into like, I've just, I went like full plunge. Like my first, um, uh, time going to an evangelical church was going to their youth group. And then at, by the end of the night, they asked me to be one of their youth leaders. Yeah. Which, yeah. That's there are three. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. I mean, and so I practiced it heavily. I mean, I, don't think there was one time that I ever just really had a season of attending. I mean, mm-hmm. and yeah, you're right. It's totally because I'm an Enneagram three and I recognize that now, but, um, it was just like, as soon as I start, I quickly found myself in some like leadership position or a way to serve. And, you know, whether that was doing photography for them or serving on the youth team or doing social media for them, I just feel like I was always at some capacity serving or on staff. Yeah. Well, I also do that too. Although I'm an Enneagram five, my three and eight come right Mm -hmm. behind that. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I definitely relate to like diving deep into whatever it is that you're, you're into. So then what was your reason for leaving the evangelical church? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I am married. I've been married for six years. I got married at 20 and he grew up very evangelical Christian. And he came into my life right after I had left the LDS church. So that was kind of like, I mean, a really big influence into what got me going to church. Mm. Um, and that's what together, I met you originally, right? I don't, were you even married when I met you long, long time ago? Yep. I had been married for a couple of years by that point. Okay. Feels like forever ago, but yeah. I know. Oh, I even feel, I feel so weird saying I've been married for six years. I just think that's bizarre, but <laughs> whatever. Um, 
So anyways, him and I last year had a huge struggle point in our marriage that resulted in identity crisis. And ultimately while working through that, through therapy, it led to trauma. And then while talking about trauma, we discussed sexual trauma, embodiment issues. Mm -hmm. And it's really through talking about my sexuality that made me question the environment that I was able to even exist in. And I was like, I mean, wow. It was just that point that I was like, I owe so much of this trauma and like this shame and, and my marriage too. like a lot of, um, and of course, like I own Kyler and I own, or sorry, my husband and I own any thing that we've, you know, like been through it, like mistake wise or anything. But, um, I can know that we can tie it all back to a lot of trauma that is heavily brought in by religion. Yeah. And so I really think that was the breaking point. It was just that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I get kind of like (sighs) choked up when I talk about it, but I'm just like, I'm sure I just knew at that point I was like, this is not like a safe space to even be a human. Yeah. I mean, both the things that, you know, the evangelical church and Mormonism seem to have in common is that uh, uh, repressing sexuality and being known to be quite sexist. So especially as female, there's just lots Mm -hmm. of things that we go through. Um, Sounds sounds like they have those similarities because you were even speaking that men could do certain things and that's the same thing in evangelical church that men could do certain things and women couldn't. So then there's that and trying to find value in your life and yourself and then your own sexuality. Right. And when you're bouncing from like one, I mean, not necessarily theology, but from one theology to another, and they both live in the same patriarchal space, it's just hard to see that the world isn't just steeped in in that and in purity culture. Yeah. One imprisonment to the next, basically. Yeah, definitely. And I know that um, earlier I had said that the reason I turned to ev- the evangelical church, my answer is different now mm, than it yeah was then, um, I would say now my answer is that when, as I've learned about trauma, um, take for example, which I also relate to this, um, a daughter who has daddy issues. Um, the reason that somebody who has a hard relationship with her father might find themselves in a partnership with somebody who closely resembles the unhealthy habits of their father Um, is because that trauma that they experience from their relationship with their father is how they interpret love and what makes them feel like at home. Yeah. So I had quickly turned around from the LDS church. It was a very fast process of leaving. Mm. And I think that my body had experienced a lot of trauma and it was carrying that, but it was like yearning for that love and that definition of home again. Yeah. And I hadn't, had the framework, the mental, spiritual, physical energy, or even resources available to work through that trauma. Mm, Yeah. So then when I was met with a culture and a group of people that reminded me of that feeling of home in the evangelical church, I really think that's why I dove so deep because I was like, yes, finally, like I missed being home. And so being in that, I mean, I really think that that is like, what drew me in was that 
And just like you guys said, it's bouncing from one prison to the next. It was like, or imprisonment to the next. It was going from one trauma literally right into the next because I hadn't had the resources or space to walk through and work through and recover from the trauma I'd experienced. Right. It's like you didn't have enough space to to redefine what that love could look like outside of an institution like that. Yeah. I mean, and as you both know, and I've heard you talk about on other episodes of your podcast, I mean, people take their faith and that's the foundation to their life. Like everything has to be built upon that. And so when you rip away your foundation, like you're quickly trying to find other things to replace it with. Right. Um, And it's, I think, really easy to do that with just a whole other faith that's put all together and already like a whole other label because that removes a lot of the work that you would have to do to build your own foundation. Yeah. So being in leadership in both of those kind of churches, do you feel like you had an even more exacerbated idea of, of what those imprisonments looked like because you were like, did you feel like you were teaching them and, and bringing them to other people to also live into that space? Or do you feel like you were pushing against it and fighting against it all the while being in leadership in those spaces? <laughs> that's so good because I, I, I just feel like I've always been so rebellious by nature and that's been my struggle. Um, is that there were some, I mean, I was like the deaf, definition of a hypocrite because there were some things that I would hold so true to and I'd pull people into that space. But then there were other things that I would push the boundaries on that were seen as completely unacceptable by those in my culture. And yeah, I felt like I was always at war with myself, just always being like, and especially when you're in leadership, there comes so much guilt and shame with that because you're like, I'm representing and standing for one thing, but in the background, I'm like, you know, in the LDS church, I'd be like, I'm supposed to be talking about modesty, but I'm wearing shorts that are shorter than Bermuda length. Mm. Right. Yeah. Uh, And I mean, to be, to be clear here on this podcast, (laughs) we are very much welcome rebellion. I don't, you know, you mentioning that rebellion has always been your struggle and it might have seemed like that in the time rebellion, I think is just actually a beautiful form of like, of worship your, and the truth of your humanity too. And it can be worship mm-hmm. too, because you are, yeah, humanity and, and following your own intuition. You're, if, if you believe in God or if you believe in a higher power, your God given intuition and the, or the God within speaking to you. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like rebellion is a beautiful part of humanity and it shouldn't be like, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It brings us, mm-hmm. brings society forward like where would we be without rebels so yeah just so we're clear here (laughs) oh I mean I love that and I think that's a great call out I think that that just goes to show well one I needed to hear that and two like I said I'm this is still pretty fresh for me I mean it happened last year that I started my journey of deconstruction but it's been painful it's going to be a long journey I'm sure but I have constant struggles with trying to and I think that so many people that are going through deconstruction relate with that and then feel so alone with that of just like this constant battle of like, oh, wait, so I'm actually given permission to explore these things that <laughs> I was always told to like not look at or not even think about. And so, right, yeah, I, I, I am trying to embrace my 
rebellious woman. <laughs> oh, why else do you think I started Deconstruct Podcast? <laughs> because I wanted to know that I wasn't alone and that, mm. you know, there's other rebels out there who are discovering truth within themselves and within the universe and the and light within and all of that. And and totally. I know like everybody has a different story with their their relationship with their deconstruction and their spirituality and their the religion they've grown up with. And we don't just have that to balance and to navigate with our own with you know within our own identity, but also we all have families <laughs> to deal mm-hmm. with. Um and I mean maybe some families, maybe for those some of you who are listening, some of your families are totally down. But I would say the majority of people who are deconstructing have at least a few family members who are not uh, approving <laughs> of the direction um, yes. of your life. So curious if you are willing to kind of open up a little bit about what it was like going through all of this um, alongside with, you know, your family. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, painful bottom line. Um, and you're exactly right. I think that a lot of people relate in that. So that's something that I've taken a, a just a sliver of comfort from of being like, well, at least I'm not alone, but it was extremely painful. I was, like I said, I'm the oldest of all my siblings. Yeah. So I feel like being the oldest and being the first one to leave the church and mm-hmm. like look my mother in the eyes and be like, I'm done. Um, it was heartbreaking. It resulted in me I mean, I was 17, but I was kicked out before graduating high school. Mm-hmm. Because, of, and, because of you leaving? Yeah, it was a mix of a lot of, like, that was the root of it. And it led to just so much disagreement between my mother and I. Yeah. And at this time, it was just my mother at the house. Because like I said, my parents got divorced. Yeah. So, but yes, that was at the root of it. Because, you know, defiance there, it, my foundation was falling down. So then all the aftermath was just in her eyes, a train wreck, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And then, I mean, to this day, my mother and most of my siblings are still LDS. My father who raised me is not LDS anymore as of just like two years ago. So okay. that's been interesting because he was somebody that when I left had great disappointment in me. I actually just asked him the other day, I was like, could you tell me, because we haven't really talked about it, what it was like for you to have me leave the church and how you look at that now in hindsight that you're not LDS. Mm. And he said it was the most, one of the most heartbreaking experiences he had experienced because he was like, I looked at you and I was like, I will not be able to be in eternity with you. Like I will have to live without you. Mm. And he like truly believed that. And so now he has a different perspective in him and I's relationship is closer than it's ever been, but, but yeah, it's really hard. Um, I have one sibling who we are fully related, same biological father and same mother. Mm -hmm. Um, and he is still LDS, um, him and his wife and my nieces are, and it's hard. Um, it took years to even get to a place where we could have any type of political or pretty much any discussion and that not come back down to the fact that I'm, I guess I would say failure because I have had that word thrown at me a couple times. Yeah. 
So yeah, it was really, really rough. Um, the LDS church is so passionate about the family unit. Um, they have this uh, declaration they call the the family declaration. And it's um, very, like, it's taught to you at a very young age. And it's kind of like your family's commandments of like mm-hmm. how to stay together. Yeah, And if you break that, it's just so much shame. And I now look back and my heart hurts for my mother because she had already broken that going through a divorce and then her oldest child like leaves the church. So yeah. 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 Really, really hard. Was there, was your family's reaction any different when you left the church? Um, and when you left evangelicalism or was it, or did they not really even know? Was there a difference at all? Yeah. Good question. Um, so my partner's side of the family is pretty distraught over it. Mm. So, and that's, we're in the midst of that right now. So yeah. I won't speak too much to that, but yeah, that's yeah. been super, super hard. Um, as for my side of the family, the Mormon church is the truth. So they honestly are not too surprised or I don't think they care too much. I think my mom is mostly like worried that I might not believe in God anymore. Mm. Yeah, But other than that, I think that their hearts were already mm. broken and they already like lost me before. Yeah. So they've been kind of, I mean, it's been a totally different experience for me when it comes to my family. Yeah. yeah it's like they almost had to find their, their apathetic nature because you were right. already outside of their religion. So I don't want to assume anything for, for your partner. Um, but mm-hmm. I know for us, deconstruction and going through that process while being married it's just it has its challenges where it's just like you don't want to you don't want to assume that they're in the same place as you and you don't want to put any any expectations on them but then also there's just there comes to be barriers between language that you're using to to discuss your human experience and your spirituality and all that stuff and i think that like for lauren and i that was that was the biggest challenge but so has your partner stepped into a space of deconstruction? And then also, how was that experience for you if he has? Yeah, um, so he has. And just this year, so just like a couple months ago. Um, so my journey started far before his did. And it's been it's been a mix of some of the hardest things that we've gone through as a couple, but also... I have never felt more connected to him. And I know he would say the same to me. Um, Mm. But yeah, it was hard because mine started beforehand. And it was, I was so nervous to have a conversation with him. Mm. Um, You know, because it's like your faith. And we got, we like married into this faith together. And I was really worried. I mean, we were already going through a lot as a couple. And then having that conversation of being like, I just want to be like honest, here's where I'm at. Um, it was really, really hard for him. And he though received it with such grace and did so well. And then opened up to a lot of the insecurities and doubts that he was having. And I hadn't even known, like Adam said, I like, you don't want to assume, but I, I kind of felt that with him that he was exploring some of those things as well. I just, very open, a lot more open than he is. He's very reserved. He's an introvert and does a lot of internal processing where as soon as I have a doubt, I'm like, there has to be a podcast about that. There has to be a YouTube (laughs) video about that. So, um, I'm immediately like 
always reaching out and looking for resources, but I had, I had hit a point where I had had this realization in therapy that I felt like the only people that knew me and my only friends were podcasts and books. Mm. Yeah. I, I and, feel that. Yeah. Yeah. And I still honestly feel that in a lot of ways that people that I feel like knew me the best for people that had maybe, I mean, they don't even know my name and they've never met me. And so I was like, I'm just hitting a point where I was like, I have to talk to my partner about this because I'm, I'm at a point where I'm ready to move forward with this, with somebody I need like an accountability buddy, or I just need somebody to communicate with and who actually knows my heart right. and knows my story soul to connect to somebody else's soul in that. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I was ready to start taking those steps of rebuilding my foundation and tearing away old parts of it. And I knew I couldn't do that on my own. Mm. Um, and I wanted him to be a part of that. And I was worried about the repercussions of that conversation. And like I said, he did so well. And we have been more in sync than we've been in years because I think a lot to do with us walking through this journey now together. So it's been beautiful, like so beautiful. And I think you guys relate to that, but it's also been so scary because I mean, just the other day we had like a huge conversation about like hell and about what evil is and to hear both of our perspectives and be like, wow, when's the last time we even talked about this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like when did you ever, looking back, when did you ever allow yourself to think about it? You know, (laughs) that's even crazier. Like when's the last time I would, have I ever allowed myself to think about, is there a heaven or hell? You know, what happens after we die? Well, yeah. And then I will say the sexuality aspect, that's been like, I mean, that's been a really hard thing to address in our marriage when we went into a marriage with so much sexual shame and so many ideas of like how sex should be handled. Yeah. Yeah. And then now to look at each other and be like, okay, so you and I are both on the same page that like 75% of the reason we wanted to get married is because we just wanted to have sex without people being mad at us. Yeah. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like man. once you start into those conversations, it's it's like the best word I could think is like fortifying. I feel like it fortifies your relationship. It. Yeah, a hundred percent. So yeah, it's been interesting, awkward at times. You know, the first time that you're like, "So, do you want to talk about how you feel about masturbation?" Right, <laughs> and like start bringing up topics that, like you said, Lauren, were like never given space to even think about. And yeah. so it's just like now to actually like have those things come to your mind and you're like, I'm going to sit with this. All right. Now I'm going to talk about this with my partner and this might change some things, but I have to be okay with that because yeah. I want it. Whatever we have going on in marriage should be because of us and what our soul needs and what our relationship needs and not because of, you know, what our culture says we should be doing. Yeah, totally. And well, you know, you've mentioned now several times that, you have always been, had a rebellious nature and Kyler must have known that going into marriage (laughs) with you, that you've had that spirit. (laughs) And so I know with Adam, he has said so many times, whether it's on the podcast or just like to me, you know, so many times he knew who he was marrying, even though I have changed throughout the times we've been, you know, the time we've been together, even dating and after we got married and stuff, like things have changed. I have changed, but like, yet I'm still the same. Like what makes me, me yeah, is still the same. I, you know, I'm the investigator that at best goes to challenger. <laughs> like he knows mm-hmm. that about me and he knows that that's who I am. And I love to find the truth and I love to 
like discover. And yeah, so I feel like that aspect of you being like, no, but I feel like the walls need to be pushed down. There's got to be more room. There's got to be another way. Like, you know, I think he, I, I would assume that Kyler knows that about you, despite the other things that you guys might have married into, he knows who you are. So it allows that uh, conversation to, to be able to take place in a healthy, healthy spot, hopefully. Yeah. Um, I just exactly to all of that. Yeah. I've been pretty, I'm pretty, like I said, open about who I am. And so I think that you really hit the nail on the head because I felt like that in that moment when I told him about where I was coming from and how I was feeling in my faith, I felt this kind of sense of him looking at me and he even telling me like, parts of me are not surprised. And these are the reasons I love you. And I am ready to go through this with you because, you know, I've been, I've known these things about you. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of fun, honestly, because then you're like, wow, you know me in a different light than I ever knew I was ever going to be in, which is kind of fun. Oh yeah, totally. So, you know, just to wrap this kind of up, um, unless Adam, you have any other questions? I mean, I I don't have anything specifically, but I just, I would also love to give you the floor to be able to talk about, you know, like you've been going through this whole deconstruction and you've been in the midst of all of this. And if, if you feel like it, if you want to talking about like, what, what is spirituality to you? What, who are you in the world and what is your soul and what is your consciousness? And maybe like what the word God means to you just as as maybe a noun, something outside of like religious weight and context, like what, what is it that, that you are seeking and what is it that you're finding? Oh, that's such a good question. So I, for the first time in my life, am at peace with saying that I don't know. Um, and that is like the most relieving feeling to me, because I just think that now what, when I look at spirituality, my approach is now where I was truly feel like my spirit, where my soul and my spirit can operate in a way that it feels that she feels safe at home or truly accepted. That's, that's to me what I'm looking for. Um, and I know that that's, that's kind of vague and, but it's just been amazing because honestly, this is the first time in my life that I have given myself permission to explore Zodiac, alchemy, even herbalism. Like, cause even those things are like afraid, I was afraid to look at, you know? Um, and like diving into my birth chart and reading, like having tarot cards, reading her. I remember last year I had my palm read for the first time at the fair Mm -hmm. and I was sweating because (laughs) I just felt so like, oh my gosh, like this is so bad, you know? Um, Because those are things that are so disconnected and looked down upon and like, you know, witchcraft, evil in the culture that I had grown up my whole life in, whether it was Mormon or evangelical Christian. So yeah, I would say that where I'm at now is that I just am letting my spirit, I'm just letting her be free. I'm just letting her be the fiery Aries, Enneagram three woman that she is, I would say that the biggest thing I'm tackling right now is sexuality. Um, I know that I'll have a season where I go through a journey of diving into theology and 
diving into, you know, <laughs> the history of America and how Christian Christianity has played out in that and more of the political side, because those things are important to me. But what really was the driving force that got me to start deconstruction was my sexuality and the amount of shame that my body has felt and been through because I really feel like I am a sexual creature. I feel so connected to her, my body, and I just feel like I've never let her be herself. So that's my priority right now is just to reconnect with her and to build upon that. So while also trying to make sure that my marriage is like staying alive and fruitful. So I would say that right now that's where I'm at. And my, like my big, like I said, my biggest focus is sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think sexuality and spirituality are braided together personally Mm -hmm. For, for me, at least, and I, I'm hearing yeah. I'm hearing Jamie Lee Finch in, in, inspired in your. Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, that's what I I thought so. I thought I yes. heard some of her uh, inspiration in the way you speak. I yeah, she's yeah, she's like been my um, mentor, I guess I would say throughout this. Even though I haven't ever ever talked to her, but she yeah. her resources have been so healing for me. So yeah, yeah. love. If you're listening, Jamie, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> we hope to have her on the podcast um, someday. Uh, we had, you know, we had Brenda from God is Gray, uh, and she's yeah. amazing. We also have had Linda K. Klein. I don't know if you listened to that episode, but I did. Um, yeah, so, also awesome. Have you li- have you read her book? If not, you should. Um, it's called it's Jamie called, Lee Finches. No, no, Linda K. Klein. She wrote the book. Oh, I haven't. She wrote the book called Pure. Um, and she was one of the first people to really navigate purity culture before it was ever even named purity culture. Um, and she has a lot to do, you know, when you were talking about you want to dive into the political America Christianity, she actually speaks on that in her book. Um, mm. I I think you would actually really, really benefit from reading Pure. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody yeah. would. But just from what you were saying, that sounds like you would really be into it. Done. It's on my list. <laughs> awesome. Linda, you heard it. I'm promoting your book. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I, I'm going through very similar, very similar things. And um, I'm, I'm thankful to be cultivating essentially a kind of a community, you know, listeners and people I have, we have on the podcast of people who are who are going through the same and who are experimenting with their spirituality and asking hard questions and allowing themselves to go places they've never even thought were possible. So um, I appreciate you being willing to to share and be vulnerable with us. And um, yeah, I'm sure so many people yeah. will be able to glean wisdom and love from this conversation. So thanks for being on the podcast. Oh yeah, you guys, Adam, Lauren, it's been so awesome. I feel just super love to be heard and to be here. So thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time. Bye. bye. If you liked this episode, please share, rate, and review on whatever platform you're listening. As always, thanks so much for listening. Until next time. <laughs>